The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Today's message is the last message preached by Elder Mark Green at our 2023 annual meeting. In this message on Sunday morning, he first exhorted us as a church to remain faithful to the doctrine and practice that the Bible sets forth and which has been held to by primitive Baptists throughout the centuries. He then proceeded to preach to us about the difference between doctors and undertakers and what they can do for people. His point, of course, was that many in the world get mixed up, in a spiritual sense, on the difference between the need for a doctor and the need for an undertaker. A dead man doesn't need a doctor. There's nothing a doctor can do for a dead person. Likewise, a spiritually dead person doesn't need the preacher or the word or the gospel or anything like that because a man who's dead can't be treated by means of men. However, Under our doctrine, which I believe is the Bible doctrine, the Lord Jesus Christ can speak life to the heart of someone who's spiritually dead. Join us today as we hear this message from Elder Mark Green exhorting us to faithfulness and teaching us the difference between the spiritually dead and the one who's born again who needs the preaching of the gospel. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
I, I want to make a word of exhortation to you first that's unrelated to the text I want to take, and then I want to take a familiar text and make one point to you, and then I'll give way to Brother Adam. I abhor using athletic similes from the pulpit because it seems to trivialize a divine subject so tremendously, but this example uh, illustrates a point very well. It just happens to involve the state of Alabama, but uh, uh, back in 2019, I think it was, uh, in the semifinals of the NCAA tournament, which would have been just about four years ago, the eventual winners, which were the University of Virginia, were playing Auburn. And Auburn was ahead, and toward the end of the game, I don't remember who the defender was, but Kyle Guy, who was the possibly the best shooter in the nation that year, was a was a excellent shooter, went up for a shot from the corner, and uh, as he came down, the uh, Auburn player in guarding him had, had hadn't touched him with his hands. But he had moved close enough to him that when he, when Guy fell back or came back to the court, he bumped up against uh, the Auburn player. And the rule states that when a shooter goes up, you have to give him room to come down where he went up from. If it's an A to A situation, then that's okay. If it's an A to B situation, then that's a that's a foul. And so they went into the you know lengthy video uh, review of all of that, and uh, finally, it, and it was pretty clear. I I, I kind of felt sorry for the Auburn guy because he was doing a pretty good job of guarding him, but he just got too close to him. And when he came down, the guy blew the whistle. And everybody's saying, what are you talking about? He's, you know, he he didn't, didn't even touch him. But he didn't give him room to come down. Now, I want to tell you something. If you have any desire to be good primitive Baptists, and I, I hope you do. Maybe you don't care. I don't know. But if you have any desire to be good primitive Baptists, then there is going to have to be a certain quality in you that to the world is not going to be very appealing. And that is you're going to have to be a little bit grumpy, a little bit irascible, a little bit hard-headed, a little bit hard-shelled, if you will, you're going to have to be just a little bit hard to get along with. You're going to have to be a little bit disagreeable. I don't mean unkind. I just mean that you'd be willing to disagree if it's not other person's not right. Some people will go along with anything. You can't do that if you're going to be a good primitive Baptist. You have to be willing to say, no, that is wrong. Now, you say, well, I think we ought to just preach positive things. Well, 
If it is wrong to preach negatively, then the Apostle Paul was wrong when he said, you know, beware of Hymenaeus and Philetus, whose word doth eat as doth a canker, doth a gangrene. I mean, he named them specifically and said, stay away from them. Also, our Lord was wrong because he said, beware of the leaven or the doctrine of the Pharisees. Called them out. Said, you watch out for that. It's wrong. So if we are going to walk and stand and conduct ourselves where the Lord did, then we are going to have to have some qualities. My, so I don't know if any of you remember him, but I, uh, perhaps some of you will remember it. Uh, Elder T.L. Webb, Jr., who was one of, the, one of the finest old Baptists of his generation. Uh, sweet temperament, kind, fatherly man, but a staunch old Baptist. And they had had some trouble up in western Tennessee at a particular time when I was there visiting him. And uh, Brother Edwin Bryant who was the son of Elder B.D. Bryant, said to Elder Webb regarding the trouble that was going on. He said, if my daddy was still alive, that wouldn't have happened because he wouldn't have let it happen. His influence was such, and he was staunch enough that he would have said, no, brethren, we're not doing that. And that would have squelched it in its tracks. Now, nobody likes to be known as a naysayer because you get to sit by yourself. That's, that's what, I have 18 grandchildren, all right? That's what grandfathers get to do when the children have indulgent grandmothers. <laughs> it's they're always the bad guy because, you know, you know, Yes, I realize they're visitors, but this is my house. <laughs> I am the head of the household. So you have to get to be the bad guy every once in a while if you're going to have order in the house. Now, if you don't care about things getting torn up, you don't care about the house getting torn down. But the Apostle Paul said that we need to learn how to behave ourselves in the church of God, which is the house of God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, I can't remember if you have pillars out on your front porch there, but I would imagine that you do. Uh, you, but you know what pillars are. Pillars are not designed to be movable. Pillars are designed to be put up and to stay there. So, maybe this is a good analogy. I'll try to paint a little picture of it. Any church or any person or any church that intends to be a good old Baptist church, and I hope you want that, has got to have a parking brake, an emergency brake that's set. And if it begins to move, it'll start to give off a burning odor because the brakes are going to get hot because you're moving and the brake is designed to make sure you don't move. Now, every church has got to have some emergency brakes in it. Brethren that say, whoa, wait a minute, we're not doing that. Because if you don't have that, 
then at some point in the future, somebody's going to come up with some bright idea and the church is going to go where it ought not to go and it'll at some point cease to be the church. God will remove the candlestick. Now, he's the only one that can do it. Sometimes he's the only one that knows when it happens. But he has told us at some point that will happen. You cannot wander endlessly without God taking action with regard to his sanction and, and identifying of a church as his. That can't go on. Well, it seems like a nice thing to do. Well, if the break is set and you start operating on the basis of it seems like a nice thing to do, then pretty soon that break's going to give off a burning odor. And the church needs to take it, pay attention to it. Now, I'll admit I'm grouchy. I admit that I'm hard to get along with sometimes. I've already told you that I do not have a very pleasing personality. I admit that I'm an anachronism. I would have been much better, done much better born 100 years ago. But somebody's got to do it. If you hope to have the truth and the church, and if you don't have the truth, you won't have the church. If you hope to have the church among you, somebody's got to be the parking brake. So you need to decide whether or not you're going to be the accelerator or the parking brake in this church. Because at some point, I'm not saying tomorrow, but at some point out there, God will say, I've had enough. I'm not going to recognize you anymore. Now, he may never send you a letter from heaven. But that'll happen. He told that, he said that in the book of Revelation. Now, that's a word of exhortation. You know, I'm going to be ugly. Some people are not correct in their doctrine. Not all people are correct in their doctrine. If, if that weren't true, then Jesus wouldn't have said that they were wrong in their doctrine. And this is a, perhaps a folksy way of putting it, but maybe you'll remember it. The problem with some religions is that they don't know the difference between a physician and an undertaker. Now think about that. My mother is 94 years old, so I'm getting to the point that I'm having to ask, you know, when it happens finally, what do I do? What's the first thing I do? And, you know. Well, you call the sheriff, but basically call the, call the officials. But you know, if I called the 911 folks and they get there and she doesn't have a pulse and her, you know, her body temperature has already started to go down, they're going to say, we can't help you. She's dead. Now, the physician can do a lot these days. They can preserve life even artificially, passed way past the point of what used to be able to do. But if somebody dies, now uh, there is a difference between being at death's door and being dead. Amen. And without an act of God, once you go past the point of being dead, you don't come back. Right. People call that, say, well, he, I died and I came back. No, you, you were close to it, but you didn't come back if you actually were dead without divine intervention. But now if somebody's dead, now Lazarus they knew was dead. I mean, they'd put him in the tomb, and if, if he hadn't have been dead, he'd have smothered by then. If, you know, uh, they put, and, and, and of course, his sister said, by this time he stinketh. 
He had already started to putrefy. You ever noticed that Jesus was in the grave three days and three nights? But his body was whole. But Lazarus was in the grave four days. And he stunk whenever he came out. Don't you know that was not a pleasant experience to those that rolled away the stone? And probably that's the reason Jesus told them that he could have done it just by commanding the stone to roll. But he had them do it so they'd know that the man was really dead. But if you call the undertaker and he gets there and he says, well, this fellow's still alive. We can't help you. We're not doctors. This fellow's still got a pulse. Then you've got the wrong person, you see. Undertakers are for people who are dead. Physicians are for people who are still alive. Might be awful close to it, but that's what they're for. There's got to be life there for a physician to do you any good. All right. Now, I'm going to read you two texts. And I'm going to tell you a little story, and that's all I'll do. First one I'll quote to you. You can quote it the first verse of the second chapter of Ephesians. And you hath he quickened who were dead. You were dead, but he's made you alive. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and in sins. Now, Ephesians and Colossians appear to me to be pretty much parallel epistles. I would surprise me greatly if they weren't probably written almost in the same sitting because the language is so similar in the order, the, the outline of it. And you, this is the second chapter of Colossians chapter 13. And you being dead in your sins... And the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now, I'm going to be ugly, but I'm going to be pointed. There are religions out in the world that if you're sick, they can give you some help. You know, I'm not saying that that'd be as much help as it ought to be, but they can give you some help. If you're confused, they may be able to help you and point you in the right direction, possibility at least. In the long run, I don't think error is going to get the job done, but uh, there might be enough truth mixed in what they say that it would be of that benefit. If you're, if you're con con confused, if you're lonely, they can certainly be friends to you. They can help you in that regard. Might be many situations in life that people get into that the doctrines of the world will help you. But the primitive Baptists have the only doctrine I know of that will do any good for dead people. Now let me ask you a question. Does a dead person want to be alive? I never talked to one that did. I go over to the uh, third chapter of the Roman letter. The Apostle Paul said, There's none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. Why would they want to be? Now, we're not talking about corporeally dead. Here we're talking about dead in trespasses and sins. Why would they want to be alive when all that's going to do is ruin the fun that they're having? They love sin. They're enjoying sin. If they're, if they're quickened by the Holy Spirit 
If they're born of the Spirit, if they're made alive and given spiritual life, then all of a sudden the, the, the level of enjoyment that they had out of all those sins is going to fade away. Because the thing that must precede repentance is what? Godly sorrow. That means that, that, that you're not that means that you're not sorry that you got caught. That means you're sorry that you did it. When you start to see godly sorrow in an individual, then you can be sure that that person has passed from death to life. And you're not going to find it any other way. Now, I will admit that when I'm driving on the road and I see blue lights behind me, I slow down like everybody else. I immediately say, because I don't want to suffer the consequences. But I am ashamed. I trust that I was not being careful about it. And I think that all of us that have a hope of God, hope of heaven in our hearts and the love of God in our hearts have been to the place where we have been uh, ashamed of ourselves and have wished we had a place where we could hide from God and get away from God and not have to deal with Him. But the Bible speaks of the God with whom we have to do. Can't hide from him. Can't run from him. But you know, we've got a doctrine that's got some hope for dead men. Now, not that people who are dead are going to have that hope. But I'm saying that in, in principle, it has a hope for dead men. What is in the doctrine provides some relief for the dead man. Because our doctrine says that God does not need and God does not use means in giving life. And I can prove that to you. You go to the uh, the 25th chapter of John, the 25th verse, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. That's going on right now. Possibly in this room, but uh, certainly somewhere upon the earth. God is speaking to dead sinners and causing them to live. But he says, marvel, three verses later, he says, marvel not at this. This shouldn't surprise you. For the hour is coming. That's not going on now. But the hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear what? The same thing that the dead in sin hear. Though they that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. Same voice. And it's not mine. I've known some preachers that could generate a pretty good volume. In my day. Think of a couple in particular. It would have been a waste of time to put a microphone in front of them. They'd have had to back up to the back of the pulpit to be able to keep from blowing the microphone. But it's not the volume that does it, it's the authority that does it. He says live and they live. The doctor can't do that. If he's alive, he may keep him from dying, but the doctor cannot command and purpose and will and an individual who has been dead returns to life. It's impossible. Physician doesn't have that ability. 
But Jesus can. Jesus has. Jesus is. Jesus will. Now, that's a doctrine that will make men love what they now hate, that will cause men to hate what they now love, that will cause them to pursue things that they wouldn't have given you a plug nickel for before, to do things that they... Look, I've enjoyed being here with you, and I, I was sincere when I said I appreciate your hospitality. But if I'd been given a choice, I'd, just, I'd much rather have been home with my wife, sitting on the couch. I'd have much rather, you know, I don't particularly enjoy driving across three states. But I came here because there was some benefit that I get from it. I trust some benefit that I was able to impart, but certainly some benefit that I received from being with God's people in the house of God, worshiping God. And I knew that, and I've not gotten quite so decrepit yet that it's still not worth the, 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 the trouble to go to to try to go to a meeting. My list of meetings that I can't stand to miss is shrinking day by day because uh, I consult my spine when it comes time to go, and if the spine says no, I don't go. But it's still worth it to try when I feel like it. And that's why I'm here. But there was a time when I didn't, didn't have any interest at all in the gospel. I've told this story many times. Old Elder B. Isaacs was the first preacher that I remember. He was as able a doctrinal preacher as I've ever heard. When you got through, you might not have agreed with him, but you understood what he meant. And, and, and so I, I, I understood the doctrine. Brother, Brother Isaac's preached election, preached it clear, preached it plain, proved it beyond a shadow of a doubt by the Bible. Brother Isaacs was our preacher. He said it was so, it must be so. I agreed that it was so, and I went on the way not caring one whit whether it was true or not. I believed it, I accepted it, but I didn't care. It didn't matter to me. But somewhere around the age of 12 years, I don't remember exactly when it happened, I began to have a question in my mind. It's wonderful to hear preaching about election, but am I one of them? I hadn't cared whether I was one of them before. Now I'm beginning to be very important to me. Am I one of God's elect? What's going to be with the situation with me? And some of the brethren were kind enough to point out to me that if I had an earnest concern about my eternal welfare, that that's evidence of the fact that I was already born of the Spirit of God. Amen. That's a great encouragement to me. Amen. But you know, I wouldn't have had that concern. I didn't have that concern at one point in the, in the past. I didn't care. If I was born again, wasn't born again. Elect, wasn't elected. Didn't matter to me. Let's go eat lunch. <laughs> I liked church for two reasons. The food was good. And I got to play with my cousins after church was over. That was about it. 
I got old enough to know how to sing. I enjoyed the singing, but the preaching was, to be honest about it, kind of dry. I didn't get much out of the preaching. Unless the old brother had some quirk in his mannerisms. If he had a kind of a funny mannerism, then I would enjoy making fun of him. He was entertaining, but it wasn't anything what he was talking about that entertained me. It was his way of saying it. You've all done that as children. Didn't care what the men said. It was just enjoying a comedy routine out of them. God bless you. It's been good to be with you. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. 